When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, so with episode 9 coming pretty close, I thought I'd dig a bit deeper into an old Legends miniseries that has an incredible impact on the expanded universe, and an influence that can still be felt to this very day in the sequel trilogy, and perhaps give us some insight and clues as to what could happen in episode 9. Now, I've made a bunch of different videos about Palpatine's return, touching on you know different topics here and there, such as George Lucas's original idea for bringing Palpatine back, and then you know Legends topics and my own theories and this and that. However, today we're going to go in-depth specifically on the Dark Empire Legends comics. Some of my favorites, they're pretty wacky and crazy, but they're also really cool and they show Palpatine's return and exactly how he does it. So let's get right into it. The series was called Dark Empire and was released between 1991 and 1992, about five years after the original Marvel run had stopped and before all of the Thrawn trilogy books had come out. So really, except for the original trilogy, there wasn't much Star Wars material back then. Not like today, no one, except George Lucas himself, presumably, really knew anything about what the Clone Wars really were. The word Sith had never been used in the films, but had in other material. So there was so much knowledge of unknown territory to explore, and a lot of it began with Dark Empire. Other than the resurrection of the Emperor, the series established the concept of essence transfer, the return of Boba Fett, the introduction of the Hut stronghold of Nar Shadda, and it was this story that created the very idea of a Jedi holocron. As I've been rereading through this issue, I've found there are moments and scenes that seem to be precursors to things that I've seen in the new films, and I thought it would be kind of cool to make a series of videos covering each issue for you. And once the film comes out, we can see, you know, if they actually took from this, and, you know, maybe they didn't. And if they don't, at the very least, it'll be cool to cover topics. So this won't be kind of me bringing the comics to life, it'll just be picking parts out to highlight how Palpatine returned in Legends, and then if you want, I can always bring it to life as well, in its entirety. The Rebel Alliance has become the New Republic, but the galaxy is not yet free. The remnant of the Empire, following Vader and Palpatine's deaths, have regained strength and reclaimed the majority of the worlds they lost, including Coruscant. However, those victories are tenuous at best, as a recent civil war has ignited between factions within the Imperial Navy and the Emperor's former ruling circle, a civil war that threatens to fracture all the strives the Imperials have made, which the New Republic is more than willing to exploit to its fullest. Having captured two Imperial Star Destroyers after the Battle of Endor, the former Rebels conduct hit-and-run raids into the Imperial War Zones and broadcast falsified signals to prompt one group to attack the other. In order to spread as much confusion and chaos as they can amongst the clashing factions. On one such raid, over Coruscant itself, one of these captured Star Destroyers, under the command of Luke Skywalker and Lando Calrissian, meet with disaster 
and are forced to crash land on the surface of the planet. However, Luke's quick use of the destroyer's deflector shields and anti-gravity braking system prevents many aboard from being killed. Which brings to mind Anakin navigating Grievous' ship as it plummeted into Coruscant in Episode 3. Now, even though the Legends story takes place six years after Return of the Jedi, the comic came out way before Revenge of the Sith. So, was George inspired by this comic, or is it just a coincidence? Food for thought. Anyways, after several days of fighting and hiding from the Imperial battalions on the surface, Leia and Han Solo, along with Chewie, and 3PO mount a rescue for the only Jedi left in the galaxy and his stranded crew. Bringing the Falcon along with them to the New Republic escort frigates, they burst out of hyperspace amidst wreckage upon wreckage of massive debris and floating Imperial hulks, littering in orbit above Coruscant. Han being Han manages to navigate around the debris despite 3PO protesting the odds. Unfortunately, one of the frigates isn't so fortunate and collides right into the remains of a Star Destroyer. As the Millennium Falcon prepares to enter Coruscant's atmosphere, a multitude of Imperial fighters come their way, but aren't interested in them, as they streak by them, rushing to join the battle taking place below between the factions, which also happens to be where Luke put down the New Republic Star Destroyer. So, Han follows the fighters in, using his skills to pilot the Falcon through the carnage and destruction. Pressing through to find where Luke landed, Han spots members of Luke's crew fighting for their lives, as they are pinned down by an at, -AT. Leia and Han jump in the Falcon's gun turrets, while Chewie handles the flying, Leia's mind wanders to the words of her teacher and brother. What surprised some about the sequel trilogy is that Leia can use the Force, as the new films didn't really set that up so much. However, in Legends, she was Luke's first student. So, at this point, she had been taught for some time, but is still a novice, as her duties to the New Republic give her little time to practice. But, novice or not, she is a Skywalker. So, she lets herself merge with the Force and feels it move through her, guiding her hands, and boom. Her blaster cannons make short work of the Imperial Walker. Landing, they are joined by Luke's remaining crew, along with Lando, Wedge Antilles, and R2-D2. But there is no sign of Luke. Lando tells them that the Jedi Master left right after they crashed. He had sensed that the Dark Side's presence is still very powerful in this place, but Lando didn't have time to worry too much about what Luke is up to, as along with Imperials, they have to deal with renegades and scavengers crawling all over the ruins, especially a group of them that are using hot-wired weapon droids as their personal little army. Again, I'm going to pause for a second here. Remember up until this point, with the prequels not having come out yet, in the original trilogy, perhaps with the exception of IG-88, it can be argued we hadn't really seen droids used for combat, so I thought it was kind of neat that they have it here. Okay, let's get back to it. So the scavengers begin to attack with... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Their war droids pinning our heroes down as they head for the Falcon to remove what they can from the fastest piece of junk in the galaxy. Han, as you can no doubt guess, isn't too pleased with that, but before he can put a stop to it, they also release a pack of necks, cybernetic enhanced alien battle dogs, perhaps the inspiration for the attack dogs in the first scene in Solo. With the droids and the necks coming at them, Leia holsters her blaster and uses the force instead to cause confusion in the minds of the vicious attack dogs. 
but then, with unexpected suddenness, a great and terrible sound tears through the air. Much like the crate dragon sound Obi-Wan used to save Luke from the Tusken Raiders in Episode 4. And suddenly, the battle dogs are hurled, shrieking in all directions. Han is impressed by what Leia just did, but she tells him it wasn't her. Then, a shadowy figure, casting a menacingly familiar silhouette, emerges from the ruins of the Imperial Palace and gestures at the battle droids, using the force to move ever so slightly their internal mechanisms, causing them all to explode. The figure removes his cowl, revealing the face of Luke Skywalker. But as he heads towards Leia, behind him emerges another AT-AT. Its gigantic size looming over him, very similar to the ending of The Last Jedi. The walker fires at Luke, but the Jedi Master uses his lightsaber to deflect the incoming shots, crippling the four-legged combat vehicle. He then, in a demonstration of how far he has grown in the Force, proving Yoda's teachings correct, size matters not, presses the Force against the walker, crushing it until it collapses and falls to its destruction. Seeing that in the movie would have been really awesome, but hey, at least we have it in the comic. Luke then reunites with Han and Leia, but his sister notices a look in his eyes she hasn't seen before. Luke tells her there is a great disturbance in the Force, that something or someone is using the dark side with unbelievable power. He has to stay and investigate further, but wants Leia and everyone else to leave at once. Han and Leia protest, but Luke has made up his mind. A vast evil is approaching, a vast evil that is aware of Luke's presence. It is his destiny to meet it head on. He can feel it coming out of hyperspace. On board the remaining New Republic frigate, orbiting Coruscant, the astonished crew suddenly witness a hyperspace wormhole opening up, releasing a mighty energy storm. It rumbles with chaotic fury as it sweeps down across the surface of Coruscant, heading straight for Luke. The Jedi Master insists that they all leave now or perish in the storm. He has to face it alone. Reluctantly, Han, Leia, and the rest go and take off, but R2 stays behind. As the storm comes at Luke, he reaches out with the Force, and across the vast depths of space, two masters of its awesome power touch minds. One, the very essence of a Jedi, the other, dark beyond darkness. Kind of similar to that Force Skype thing that Rey and Kylo shared in The Last Jedi. Luke, along with R2, is then pulled into the air and sucked into the dark side anomaly. And that's where this first issue ends. Leia and Han head back to a New Republic stronghold, and Luke disappeared into the hyperspace storm. In The Last Jedi, we did see the Force used in different ways ways than before, with the connection that Snoke made between Kylo and Rey, plus of course Luke's force projection, but I think it would be kinda awesome to see a hyperspace force storm on the big screen. Who knows, maybe they'll use it in episode 9, or some other movie. What do you guys think? And what about this Imperial Civil War? With Kylo having taken Snoke's place in the First Order, will they all have gone along with that? Or is there perhaps a civil war going on within the First Order as well? With Kylo on one side and General Hux on the other? Could be interesting. In the meantime, let me know what you thought of this issue, number one. And uh, if you want me to do issue number two, please hit like or just comment down below. Do it. Have an awesome rest of your day, and I'll see you in the next one. Until then, remember, the Force will be with you, always.